Uh, Reverend Talbert Swan is the Springfield branch president of the NAACP, and he's been in the news a lot lately. He's on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Reverend. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good, Reverend. Thanks for coming on with us again. Good to be here. Is the uh, first, I want to start out first with the, uh, with the city councilor, the selectman, if you will, out in uh, East Hampton. Is the Springfield branch of the NAACP, does that mean um, the Springfield Metro? Well, the Springfield branch currently, uh, because the Amherst branch is inactive and the Holyoke branch is inactive, so in essence, our branch is actually covering all of western Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize there was an Amherst and a Holyoke branch. Um, yeah. l- let me ask you this. Uh, you know, as a, as a full-fledged Irish person, uh, proven even with the apostrophe in my last name, mm-hmm. when people make jokes about mm, drunks and wife beaters and uh, food boilers and whatever other kind of negative things there are about the Irish, it really doesn't bother me. Is is the comment that was made by the selectman in East Hampton who uh, made some off-the-cuff comment about uh, where's a Puerto Rican when you need one because there was a locked door that another councilman couldn't get through. Is it is the context of how that comment was made what bothers you, or is it that it was made at all? Well, the, both in actuality, but uh, most of all, it is the context in which it was made. It, it, if this gentleman uh, was at a Christmas party with his friends um, and people who he felt comfortable around and he made that comment, um, in jest, I still would have thought it was a racist comment, but, but be that as it may, the context would have driven um, any particular response to it. But because he made this comment in open session in a city council meeting, while the city council meeting was being taped, in his official capacity as a councilor representing all of the people of East Hampton, that's what made it even more offensive than it actually um, than most people are taking it in the valley. Not not to say that a, a private comment like this would have been you know, terribly acceptable either. But I agree with you that when you are sitting in, a, in an official capacity, sometimes uh, has some self editing uh, is is necessary. In in this case, you've called for his resignation. Have you heard anything that would satisfy you in this case? Well, actually, I didn't call for his resignation. I, I, what I stated was that, that the city council should uh, come up with some form of censure, repudiating his comments in an official capacity so that people would feel comfortable that the council didn't condone this kind of conversation. Because obviously, for some reason, this gentleman felt comfortable saying it in the presence of uh, the rest of the council. What I called for, in addition to that, was if uh, Mr. Sikowski harbored this type of sentiment toward the Puerto Rican community, uh, then he would not be fit to represent uh, any portion of the community and that he should consider uh, resignation uh, if that were the case. If if the NAACP um, stands for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons um, is involved in a comment that was made in regards to Hispanics, when I, you know, earlier when I said the Irish... uh, Drunk jokes don't bother me. Would the NAACP have gotten involved if the guy had made a comment about Irish drunks? Absolutely. Uh, one thing that people don't understand about the NAACP, uh, though on the outset its mission was dealing uh, with the climate of hate against people of color in the country. It was founded in 1909, so you can put that in its proper context. Hmm. The ultimate aim and goal of the NAACP is, is, is to 
to abolish racial discrimination against all people. And then that would include Irish people and, and, and people of other ethnicities as well. So if he had made an insensitive remark, a racist remark that was geared toward Irish people or Italian people or even Polish people for that matter, we would have took offense at that remark and, and we would have had the exact same response. So if the man in Springfield who was shot by the Springfield police in that other incident, if he had been white, the NAACP would be asking for an impartial third-party investigation? Absolutely. And, and, and if, if people took the time to read our position paper, they would find, uh, first of all, uh, we stated that our calling for an independent investigation does not infer in any way that Officer Matthew Benoit acted improperly or acted with racial intent. Um, the intent of our call was so that there would be a standard protocol any time the discharge of a police firearm seriously injures or kills a citizen in the city. So if that citizen there. were white, black, brown, Puerto Rican, um, we would have had the same response because because of the um, of, of the of mission of the police to protect and serve. Yeah. Um, we think that it ought to be standard protocol. And the there, other thing that that you have to understand is is for a long time uh, we've we've stood on the premise that the police should not be investigating the police. Okay, that but there but, ought to be some type of independent review. Well, uh, but first of all, let me just to address the issue of protocol. There is a protocol involved for an officer involved shooting. And it involves not just the internal investigation within the police department as well as a criminal investigation. It involves a CPAC investigation by the state police out of the DA's office. What is your definition of an independent investigation? Well, well, well yes and no to some of what you said. Um, the CPAC investigation happens if the district attorney wants it to happen. Now, in this particular case, uh, the district attorney commission the CPAC unit to do the ballistics portion of the investigation. That's not standard protocol. Standard protocol is that there's an independent, there's a not independent, there's an internal investigation uh, into the incident itself, and then there's an internal investigation to um, to ensure that proper procedure was used. This mm-hmm. is all done by the Detective Bureau and by the IIU uh, in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Once those investigations are complete, then those files go to the district attorney's office, and then they review the investigation right. that was done by the Springfield Police. That's the standard process. But that's why and I'm asking. That's why I'm asking you what what would be an independent investigation? Independent would be if, let's say, the CPAC unit, if the district attorney asked the state police that are assigned to his office to do the complete investigation from soup to nuts, or uh, in the case. Um, of the Tahim golf shooting, uh, one of one of the things that um, the district attorney agreed to was to assign um, one of the state police and one of the lawyers from uh, from his department to walk with the Springfield Police Department on a step by step basis, so that he wouldn't just be reviewing the investigation at its completion, but they would be involved in it. Okay. So you're satisfied with the DA's office conducting investigations of local police departments. You're not asking for a third party. No, we're okay. not. We're not. We're not. We're, we're still saying um, 
that it should be under the purview of the district attorney's office, but not that the district attorney should be doing a review of an investigation that the Springfield police did on itself. This is uh, Reverend Talbert Swan on the phone. On Thursday, you uh, you sent a release out that said that you are conciliated by what Mastriani has decided to do, but you are not completely satisfied with it. What parts of it are you not com- are satisfied with? Well, that is that that um, still the element of the Springfield police investigating itself exists in the process that's happening. Um, I, I believe in serious cases like this, um, that it should be a completely independent. It should be the state police or someone else that the district attorney brings in to do that investigation. Uh, when when a death occurs or someone is seriously injured, I'm not asking for that to be standard protocol all across the board, mm-hmm. but in those most serious cases, I think that it should be done. But we were conciliated by the fact that he has taken a step above and beyond what prior district attorneys have ever done by appointing a lawyer and a state police officer to follow the process so that he's just not reviewing a file at the end of the investigation. So do you conceive of a possibility then, uh, obviously in the future, that if these investigations are done, both the internal investigation, the criminal investigation by the Springfield Police and the oversight of it by the DA's office, and a finding is made that the officer was not criminally responsible for the death of, of uh, of the man, but that he in fact... Uh, was responsible for it himself. Would you be satisfied with that? Can you say that in advance, or would it depend on the circumstances of the findings? Absolutely, it would depend on the um, the, the findings. Uh, you can never say in advance what you're going to be satisfied with. What I am satisfied with is the fact that D.A. Mastriani has created a hybrid um, type of investigation that doesn't meet what we asked for, but goes above and beyond what they normally have done. And so that shows some good faith um, on his part. And also, we're extremely satisfied with the fact that he has committed that the results of his review will be made public, which in the past that has not been done. That provides a level of transparency and accountability to the public uh, that they can actually go and then scrutinize what was done. And so I think I think we're seeing uh, kind of a difference in, in administrative style between Mastriani and the prior DA, uh, and those things give us some level of satisfaction that there's going to be some transparency in this process. Irrespective of race, uh, of the race of people involved, do you, do you accept the possibility that it would be acceptable for a police officer to fire at a motorist uh, in the event that the officer feels that his life is in danger? Well, I know that there, there are protocols for the use of deadly force. And, and, and that's part of the investigation is to ascertain whether or not deadly force was necessary in this particular incident. So I don't purport to know at what particular point in time an officer should be authorized to use deadly force because I don't know all of those standards and those protocols. I know that there are times that they need to use deadly force. And this investigation will determine whether or not this was such an incident. This is uh, Robert Talbert Swan on the phone. As we started this conversation off with a suggestion that many people are either unclear of the, uh, of, of the role of the NAACP or they misunderstand the purpose of the organization when it comes to situations like this or 
Melvin Jones or Roy Parker or any of the other high-profile uh, stories that have come out in the last you know, 15, 20 years, um, does it concern you as the, 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 the branch president that when people hear the name either Talbot Swan or the NAACP's involvement in these stories, that there, there, there could be an assumption that there's a reverse level of, of racism involved, not just about uh, white against black, but maybe black uh, mistrusting the intention of white cops or cops in general. Does that concern you at all? No, it doesn't concern me at all, because I think that the whole notion of, of there being a such thing as reverse racism is a misnomer. In order for there to be reverse racism, there has to be forward racism. And if somebody takes it takes offense at so-called reverse racism, I have to question why don't you have a problem with forward racism? Because what it connotes is reverse racism is discrimination by blacks against whites. And we have a problem with reverse racism. Well, if you have a problem with reverse racism, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that racism uh, in its proper context should be whites discriminating against blacks? So I, I, don't, I don't think that reverse racism actually exists. But the other thing that people need to understand is, is that you can't judge an organization or an individual by sound bites that you see in the media. And I see the comments on the blogs and, and on the forums that talk about Reverend Swan would not have said anything if it were a white person. Well, just ask George Panagos and just do a search on any number of other uh, police-involved cases where the victim was white and Reverend Swan was the one advocating on behalf of that victim. But because you didn't see it in the paper, you make an assumption um, that we're only coming out in support of African Americans, which is absolutely not true. That's not true about me and my long history of activism in the city of Springfield, and it's certainly not true of the NAACP. I'm going to go back to the East Hampton issue for just a moment, because uh, one thing you said, which cleared me up a little bit, I guess, was that you are not the one who has asked for this gentleman's resignation. But you do say you want some kind of proof that the board, uh, the rest of the selectmen, do not condone this. If, if uh, for a lack of sounding insensitive and perhaps even prejudicial, if some crazy old guy says something based on long-standing beliefs, uh, and he admits that it was wrong to say such a thing, how does that connect the body that he belongs to with a possible condoning of those comments if they don't? just get rid of him blanketly immediately? Well, one, I'm not asking for them to get rid of him. I asked for censure or some type of... Re- Reverend, hang on. Reverend, did you change phones or, or do something with your phone? No. Oh, now you there sound better. Yeah, there we go. You sounded real okay. muffled. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask for them to get rid of him. I asked for some level of, of censure. Right. And I'll give you, I'll give you two reasons how it, how it connects them. Um, first of all, there's... It infers the fact that this gentleman made this comment in open city council session. It infers that he felt a level of comfortability making this comment in the presence of his fellow city councilors. Then the second problem was the fact that not one city councilor addressed the issue when it happened. Um, they just kept going on with business as usual. Uh, and so unfortunately, uh, when you're when you are a governmental group like the city council, and actions happen in city council chambers by one member, it does uh, cast a shadow or a reflection on the entire body. If the body does not separate itself 
from that particular action. I'll give you a classic example. Here in Springfield some years ago, you might remember, um, Sheila McElwain, who was a huge part of uh, Mayor Charlie Ryan's campaign and one of his great supporters, uh, made a comment when they were um, locked out of a Springfield Library and Museum meeting, and she said they're being treated like a bunch of niggers. Um, I came out um, criticizing the mayor because the mayor's comments was she used the wrong uh, choice of words that he did not uh, come out with a stronger condemnation of her comments because she was connected to him. She was connected to his campaign, and I felt as a public official, as the mayor, uh, he had a responsibility to separate himself from the sentiments of that particular individual. Okay. And I think that the city council has that same responsibility in this incident. And late last week they did. They, they released a statement, uh, or, or they had some kind of a resolution, of a of a of a zero tolerance policy towards racist comments, did they not? Well, yes and no. Um, um, outgoing City Council President McCoy uh, drafted a resolution that he's going to present before the council. Now that resolution came out in the media, but that resolution has yet to be presented by the council, and no official action on that resolution has been taken by the council. So that's, that remains to be seen. I know that that resolution will be presented sometime today. They won't actually be able to take action on it until an official city council meeting, which won't happen until tomorrow. Um, they will have a new city council president. Uh, more than likely, Justin Cobb will be the president. And I did uh, sit down and, and, and at lunch with Justin Cobb yesterday, uh, who is in full support of that resolution uh, and in full support of even going further than that to separate East Hampton City Council from the sentiments of Mr. Sikowski. Reverend Talbert Swan is the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Springfield branch president of the uh, NAACP. Reverend, we appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. When we're back, O'Brien, a Rock 102.